everyone. Welcome back to Do Better Podcast. My name is Sarah. This is a podcast about current events, social justice, mindfulness, and doing better. This week I want to talk about mental health, and it's something that is frequently talked about in the media, but it seems that on a more individual scale it's not really addressed, and been getting really tired recently of all of the people on social media who are constantly complaining about their mental health and posting about their mental health being in a really negative place um, and just, you know, how that affects others. And it seems to me that a lot of these people are just being really complicit in their own suffering and refusing to take control of their mental health. Today, most of us have gone through periods of anxiety, depression, and extreme stress. Unfortunately, it's the norm. I know some of mental illness is genetic, but a large part of it is a product of the culture that we live in now. Our society in the U.S. is structured to make us unhappy. Because of capitalism and a corrupt government, we're all oppressed and we're struggling to survive in different ways. We have to work to earn the things we should be granted as human beings, including food, water, shelter, education, health care. I firmly believe that humans should be granted these things without working, especially given the extreme economic inequality we live in where people have to work minimum wage jobs 40 to 70 hours a week just to obtain these essentials. I look to other countries like Sweden and Denmark where they have this form of democratic socialism that is working in the people's favor. There's not a lot of poverty, people don't struggle to have health care and to have education. And so people can work a lot less and they can use the money that they earn for leisure and travel and things that really enrich your life and bring you happiness. And not coincidentally at all, these countries are also the happiest countries in the world. So clearly our system isn't working. The U.S. government has been structured to work for only the very privileged. These rich, white, cisgender, able-bodied, straight, old white males at the top who founded this country and been generations of these very privileged people. The system isn't working for the rest of us, and yet most people think relatively highly of this country. We are so patriotic, and we, you know, we say we have the best country in the world, but really look at other countries where people are suffering a lot less. And especially right now in this country, we are having huge civil rights issues, and the U.S. has been put on lists of countries to look out for if you're traveling to them because of all of these issues of LGBTQ plus people being attacked, people of color being attacked, all of these people being under attack in this country, and people still think that we're the best country in the world. And I'm here to say it's okay to want more. It's okay to admit that the U.S. is not the best country in the world, and it has caused mass harm to people in other countries, countries that we've colonized and exploited, like the Middle East and Latin America, as well as the people in our own country. In our wildest dreams, like, think about the best country you could ever have. Like, would it be what we have right now? Probably not. We need to dream bigger and grander for ourselves and everyone around us and picture a better government and work towards that. And to get this, we're going to have to completely overthrow the current system. The system cannot be reformed because it is designed to be broken, unequal, and only work for an elite few. It was designed that way, so we can't change it without completely changing the system that we're working under. The stress of living under the system causes us a lot of mental health issues. I personally grew up worrying about money all the time, even when I didn't have to. 
I didn't realize until recently that was because of capitalism. Because I witnessed my dad breaking his back for us to eat. And I always had a fear in the back of my mind that if for some reason he couldn't work or he stopped working, we wouldn't eat. To this day, I have anxiety around money and I'm much more fortunate than a lot of people who routinely face hunger, homelessness, and a lack of other essentials. So I can only imagine the stress that they're under. Always worrying about surviving takes a toll on us mentally and physically. Stress is horrible for our bodies and can cause high blood pressure, heart disease, diabetes, and obesity. Stress can shrink the prefrontal cortex of our brain, which is the part responsible for memory and learning. And it can also kill brain cells and shrink the brain. A lot of us can barely look past what's going on right now to see a brighter, bigger purpose for ourselves that I believe we all have. A lot of people never self-actualize or fulfill their potential because they're stuck in the lower levels of need. Think of um, Maslow's hierarchy of need, which at the bottom, it's a sense of safety and belonging. At the top, self-actualization. And we can't get to the top unless we have the bottom fulfilled first. This is also why a lot of people who want to do better cannot, either physically or mentally. We have all of these stressors externally in society, not to mention all of the internal pressures that we have. Things in our personal lives, things that have happened to us, trauma, whether it's acknowledged or unacknowledged, balancing work, and the rest of our lives, our relationships, all of these things weigh down on us. And for all these reasons, it I totally understand why we have mental health issues, especially in this country. And I've been there many, many times myself. I've struggled with multiple mental health illnesses and issues myself. But I look back on all those times that I was in a really low place and I realized that I was contributing to my own suffering. I was the cause of my own suffering. There were so many things I could have done to help myself heal, focus on other more important things in the grand journey of life, focus on my health and my goals, but I didn't. And I get it. It's easy when we are depressed to keep feeding into it. It's a nasty cycle. You don't work on yourself when you're depressed because you don't have the energy and you don't feel like it. But then you feel worse for not doing anything about it, so you become even more depressed. And it just keeps going. Only we can take charge of the cycle. It's taken me a long time to accept responsibility for the way I handle everything that happens to me in life. We can only control our reactions. We can't control the cards that we're dealt. Because the universe gives us messages in a lot of different ways, and we just have to learn to take them the way that we're given them. There's a quote that whatever happens to you is essential for your spiritual progress. And really thinking in that mindset has helped me a lot through difficult experiences. I think about that it's making me better and more equipped to survive and to reach a higher state of consciousness. No one's going to save us from our own suffering. We're the only ones who can make ourselves suffer as well. And I learned this from Buddhism. Um... The Four Noble Truths in Buddhism are probably the most meaningful, one of the most meaningful things I've ever learned. Pain in life is unavoidable, but suffering is not. We choose to react and attach to bad things that happen to us. We interpret them as negative rather than as learning experiences, and we choose to fixate on that pain and suffer. So pain, saying pain is unavoidable, but suffering is is avoidable means that Suffering is a choice. It's all in your head. You may have an external stimulus that is painful to you physically or emotionally, but unless you attach that experience, you're not going to suffer. 
and all animals can suffer, sentient beings can suffer, but it's for humans we do have that ability to not attach ourselves so much to that and not suffer for quite as long. We can accept what happens, find the lesson, and move on. It's okay and often necessary to acknowledge the pain. It's healthy to validate all of our emotions. And I'm not promoting toxic positivity here because that's one thing I definitely hate, especially on social media when people just say, you know, pick yourself up, get over it. Like really simple cliche things that aren't going to help you with your mental health because it's often seems very complicated to people, even if it's very simple. In mindfulness, we are aware of all our emotions and thoughts. We just don't fixate on any single one of them. We realize the whole of our experience is to extract lessons from everything. We learn the biggest lesson and accept our karma so we can stop having karma. So we can stop being reborn and suffering, since suffering is inherent in this human life. Uh, even if you don't believe in reincarnation, it's true that we need to find the lessons in our pain so that we can break our cycle of suffering once and for all. It's true that the universe often gives us a lesson, keeps giving us a lesson until we understand it. So a lot of times people say, why does the same thing keep happening to me? Why do I keep making the same mistakes, finding myself in the same situation with a very similar pain? It's because you're not getting the lesson out of it. Because you're not making the needed changes to move on and get past this and get to a higher level of understanding in life. And the universe will do that to you. Um, if you get into tarot cards, tarot cards are really cool and I do them almost every day. And for a few weeks, I was getting one of the same tarot cards every single day. And I just knew, I just, I gotta focus on this. I gotta work on this. Like, the universe is calling me out right now, and glad they are. So that we can move on from these minute worldly lessons, transcend our physical existence, and make our lives about a higher divine purpose, which is serving the world in our own unique way. We need to find the lessons in everything that happens to us. Cultivating mental health requires healthy habits, just like it does for physical health. And a lot of the habits are the same for both, because a healthy brain, healthy body, they both go together. Routines are really important for mental health. R having a routine has transformed my life, my mood, my energy, everything. Um, I get up daily around 7 or 8 a.m. The first thing I do is move. I My bed's on the floor, so I can literally just roll out of bed onto a yoga mat and do yoga. <laughs> I know not everyone can do that, but have your yoga mat, have something in your room so that you can just wake up and move and get your body awakened and your mind awakened as well. I like to do yoga, sometimes dance, work out, or I do my workout later in the day after I eat breakfast. Um, I meditate every morning for at least 10 minutes. I read a little bit of a book and then I make sure I eat breakfast. I'm also getting into Ayurveda, which is ancient Indian medicine. So I've started doing some things like washing my face with cold water and scraping my tongue in the morning as well. And I'm going to be getting more into that. And this routine I have stuck to for like a few months now. And it really helps me feel settled in my mind and my body so that I can take on the day. If I rolled right out of bed like I used to when I was younger, and I think a lot of people still do this, and you just roll right out of bed, you change, you maybe grab like a bar or something, brush your teeth, and you go to work or school or whatever it is, you just feel so rushed, you feel disheveled, you feel disoriented. A lot of us, a lot happens to us in our days and our lives, and we need that time to decompress, to be alone, to be in silence. We can't just go straight from asleep to 
all of this chaos around us. It's very overwhelming. It's very jarring. We need time to focus on our breath, which a lot of people don't even recognize ever. They never take time to listen to their breath and notice their breath. And that's a big thing in yoga is that we're just slowing down. We're paying attention to our breath because our breath gets us through our life. And we don't realize when we're holding our breath, when we're anxious or nervous or scared, we don't realize how our breath really carries us throughout our day. So that's really important to slow down and recognize that. We need to tune into the sensations in our body and our emotions, but we need to observe them without judgment so that we can make peace with all that happens to us and move forward onto something better. Morning routines are so important to feel good and to be productive. The world's most successful people all wake up before 8 a.m. They have a morning routine to get their mind and their body right. They get most of their tasks done before most people even get going in the day, before 1 p.m., which is my approach right now as well. It really feels great because then I have the rest of the day to enjoy the outdoors, to hang out with friends and family, to not stress about not getting things done that I need to get done because I woke up and I got it done early. And by the time most people want to hang out, I'm free and I don't have any stress. It's not a competition. It's not about being super productive or successful, but it is true that waking up earlier means that you'll get things done earlier. You'll likely get more things done than those who aren't productive in the morning. A lot of things that we save for later in the day just get pushed to the next day and the next day and the next day, and we just never tackle that task. So if you do it in the morning, it's going to get done for sure. It's also important to get in tune with the circadian rhythm which is the natural internal process that regulates our sleep-wake cycle. I don't know a ton about this yet. Maybe I'll do an episode about it if I learn more about it. But I learned about this sort of at the same time as Ayurveda, and people really try to stick to it. I've been trying to stick to it now. It's So when it's dark out, you should be asleep. You shouldn't be eating, things like that. Um, it helps you figure out the best times to wake up, go to bed, and eat. And... It's really interesting. You can look up the circadian rhythm when the best time is to work out and when you have the most energy and the most cardiovascular efficiency and things like that. I don't eat when it's dark out because I know I should be asleep. Getting in tune with the circadian rhythm means getting in tune with nature, which so many of us are disconnected from. also means maximizing the potential in our days and working with our bodies instead of against our bodies. People want to pull all-nighters and go out to clubs and stay up until 3 a.m., but the most crucial time period to be asleep is 11 p.m. to 2 a.m., and if you miss that window, your sleep is not going to be quality. It's not going to be deep REM sleep, so it's not worth, you know, sacrificing that just to have a good time, I don't think. Maybe once in a while, but not all the time the way some people do it. And if we become in sync with nature and we find this balance in our lives, it helps us physically and emotionally. And that's why I'm bringing it up in terms of mental health. It can be hard to make lifestyle changes, but they're necessary to get us on the right track. We must hold ourselves accountable for our mental health. It's the same as physical health. You're, you don't want to eat like trash. You don't want to treat the rest of you like trash besides your diet and what you're putting into your body and we need to take this just as seriously as we do our physical health. No one else is going to hold you accountable. Even counselors can only do so much. If you go talk to your counselor and discuss positive changes you can make, but then you leave and you go do the things that make you suffer, you're doing yourself no favor going to the counselor. Our mental health is what allows us to operate 
at our highest level and contribute positively to the world to the highest extent. Productivity is so deeply tied to mental health because we feel good when we get shit done. It's simple. There's an important boundary to maintain here, though, to remember that your worth is not your productivity. And living in a capitalist society, a lot of us fall into this pattern of thinking. I know I have the tendency to do this, especially when I was in college, is that I feel like, you know, capitalism makes us all believe that our worth is our economic value. And I've spoken about this before. And I think a lot of us internalize that without even realizing it. And we think we have to be productive all the time, get a million things done, be a workaholic, stay up late working, like that's something to be admired. But it's really not, because a lot of the time we're ignoring our other needs and we're actually burning the candle at both ends and we're depleting ourselves of our energy and our life force. And that's not very admirable at all, actually. It's not really going to do as much good for the world as we could be if we were really careful with our tasks and our to-do lists. Some days we need to just focus on meeting our basic needs and not getting large tasks done, and that's okay. We don't always need to be busy and doing a million things. This causes a lot of stress stress, and works against our mental health. However, having a sense of purpose in life gets you in a good place mentally. If you understand what you want to accomplish, your unique gifts and talents, and why you were put on this earth, you're more focused on getting yourself in a position to work towards fulfilling this purpose. I'm proactive about my physical and mental health because I'm an activist, among other things, and I know I need to be functioning fully to work towards liberation of all beings. I can't do much to help others without helping myself first. I also don't believe we can heal others without beginning our own healing. We all have trauma and things we need to heal from, and it's a process, not a destination. But we need to start the process now. We can't effectively serve others if we are operating on a level of pain and fear. And a lot of us don't even realize that we're living in these lower states of being based on our former experiences. And we're just living in a state of fear and survival. We don't want to keep suffering. We don't want to keep going through bad things. But it's really a change of mindset. We're not going to be able to change our circumstances sometimes. We're not going to be able to control what happens to us. So the only thing that we can do is control ourselves and our own mind and the way that we respond to what happens to us. And I think we need to understand our own suffering before we try to help others get out of their suffering because personal experience is the best teacher and guide in helping others. And that's why I'm making this episode is because I've been through this. I've been there, done that with mental health issues and I found ways out of it and I found ways to permanently be able to cultivate my own happiness and I really wanted to share that so that's why I'm doing this. Working on mental health isn't selfish, it's selfless because when you're happier and healthier you make everyone around you happier and healthier too and it's just a chain reaction. I've already talked about the importance of having a routine and cultivating healthy habits and this goes for all parts of our life. We are creatures of habit and what we do we become. It really affects us what we do. It just it makes up who we are, our character, and it affects everything about us. Another overlooked aspect of mental health is diet and exercise. By diet, I don't mean dieting, which I don't think anyone should be doing. It's just healthy eating. It's not dieting. Um, I just, I'm talking about what we eat. So we should be putting plant-based whole foods into our bodies to have the most energy and life within us rather than death and disease-causing chemicals. We should be eating enough, whether that mean, whatever that means for you. So maybe three moderate meals a day, two big meals, four small meals. 
whatever works for you. Just making sure that you're eating enough to have the energy that you need. I'm a huge advocate of eating breakfast because it gets your metabolism going, puts you on the right track for the rest of the day, and helps you avoid unhealthy foods later because by later you might be in a starvation type mode where you're like just willing to eat whatever you can find. But if you're you have breakfast and you feel content already, you're more likely to wait until you find something healthy to eat. Just make sure you choose a nutritious breakfast like oatmeal with fruit or peanut butter toast, not something super sugary. Sugar is not only bad for your body, but it's addictive and is thus bad for your brain and your mental health. A lot of people struggle with either being in a state of restriction with food or overindulgence and binge eating and eating really unhealthy food and being addicted to it. And especially with sugar, this is common. We need to work to have a healthy relationship with food. This is so important. Food is our nourishment, and I think that we're meant to enjoy it, but at the same time, we have to realize that we want long-term pleasure. We want long-term rewards for what we're doing. So if you're, you really love sugar and it gives you pleasure in the moment and you eat it all the time every single day, think about the long-term effects. Think about you know, getting diabetes, obesity, heart disease, all of these things that are going to cause you a lot of suffering in the future. So really think about the future as well when you're making decisions about things that bring you joy that are probably not going to bring you joy in the long run. It's just instant gratification and it's probably not good for you. And cultivating a healthy relationship with food, it's a really personal thing. One that I've taken myself, still working on that, and the path differs for everyone. I encourage everyone that can be vegan to go vegan and focus on eating mostly whole foods, which means unprocessed foods, things that aren't in boxes and packages, but there's always a little room for unhealthy foods every once in a while. Life and food is to be enjoyed, just without causing ourselves long-term harm. Exercise is another essential part of life. Like I said, I do yoga every single morning. I think it's the perfect combination of mental benefit and physical benefit. I've gotten much stronger doing yoga every single day for the past five months than I have working out for the past six years because it's really functional fitness. It's really a whole body workout and a lot of people don't realize that, but you're not only working on your ability to flow through poses, but you're working on your endurance. You're working on your connection to your breath. You're working on your strength, working on your flexibility, everything that aids you in just moving throughout life and being an active human being and being a calm human being as well. And if you don't do anything else, do yoga. That's my suggestion for sure. Um, but I like to do yoga and then some sort of aerobic workout or strength workout. Like I'll go to the gym and lift or dance or bike, things like that, just to get my heart rate a little bit higher than it is in yoga. And it should be something you enjoy. Don't If you hate going to the gym, don't go to the gym. You don't have to go to the gym. If you hate running, try biking. It should be something you enjoy. And there's so many options, like I said, biking, dancing, tennis, running, hit, boxing. There's so many options. There's got to be something that you like. Um, the best form of exercise is the one that you do. There's, don't worry about comparing one to the other unless your goal is to become some sort of fitness guru or something. <laughs> Just aim to be active at least 30 minutes a day, get your heart rate up, and sweat. A yoga teacher once said to me, depression is just lack of movement. And when she said that, I literally had an epiphany. It's impossible to feel depressed while moving your body. 
Exercise is a natural depression fighter, as is nature. So when the weather permits, use the natural world to your benefit. It really reflected on all the times that I was in a deep depression and how little I moved during those times and how when I did start to move and I got back into my routine of moving and working out and feeling good in my body, the depression melted away. It's, it's yeah, it's pretty profound, that connection there. It's like your brain needs you to move and if you don't, like, it's natural to become sad and to fall into that. Go outside and stay out there until your mind, your body, and your spirit are all nourished. There is a culture of dieting, extreme exercise, and fat phobia in this country that is pushed on all of us, especially women, but all of us. I internalized this a few years ago and I developed an exercise addiction, which ended up doing me more harm than good. A lot of these negative influences come from social media, so I recommend staying off a lot of social media, especially Instagram, which is really just a competition of who is the prettiest and whose life is the best and I personally don't like it very much or just carefully cultivate your feed delete everyone on your Instagram and Facebook that talks about dieting and talks about their body in a really obsessive way and things like that so that you aren't triggered into a destructive way of thinking and I know personally I have to do this because I will go back into that unhealthy way of thinking where I'm being obsessive about it and so I just have to be proactive about the influences I expose myself to. Wherever you are now in terms of your body and your physical fitness level is perfectly acceptable but we all know we can progress in different aspects. If you want to become more flexible, become more flexible. If you want to become stronger, become stronger. Find something to work on that is meaningful to you and not just so you look good, so you feel good too. And, you know, a lot of the reason why we want to work out is rooted in fat phobia. We don't want to be fat. We don't want people to think that we're out of shape. We don't want to be embarrassed because we take the elevator instead of the stairs because we run out of breath when we take the stairs. Things like that, but that's not a very good reason to do something, to avoid negative opinions of others. You have to do it for yourself. You have to do it for a healthier reason than the external pressure of society to be fit, which is really why I was working out in the beginning, but now I'm doing it to feel good because I really feel good when I do it. It took me a long time to realize this, to realize that the point of exercise isn't to be fit. The point of exercise is to be healthy and happy. And looking at it this way transformed my life and freed me from the obsession. The next habits I'm going to talk about were mentioned in there as well, and they are unplugging from technology and connecting to nature. In this country, a lot of people have lost their connection to nature, and a lot of us feel like we live beside nature, not within it. We take vacations and trips to go be in nature because we forget we are in it all the time. You don't have to be in some luxurious exotic destination to enjoy nature. Become a friend to your own neighborhood and backyard. Become an observer. Bring a sketchbook or journal with you and sit outside for hours. Put your life into perspective. We often think we are the center of the earth and our problems are so huge, but when we become an observer to the rest of the world, you realize we are just one piece of the pie. You realize suffering is inherent to existence, but we can move beyond it all. Frida Kahlo said, at the end of the day, we can endure much more than we think we can, and it's true. We just don't often realize it in the moment. Remembering our divine purpose and place in this universe helps us move beyond the small issues of right now and continue working to benefit the world. And I want to say about unplugging from technology is really important because 
social media makes people depressed. Like, they, they've done so many studies on the effect of Facebook and Instagram on people, especially young people. And it's not good. It's not good at all. It just, it leads to a lot of comparison. It leads to a lot of dissatisfaction in our lives. And either find a way to use it that doesn't affect your mental health negatively or don't use it at all. It's not worth knowing what someone you went to high school with is doing on a Tuesday night to also have all these negative influences and feel like your life sucks because you follow all these social media stars that aren't even posting authentic things anyways. I think a lot of the time, like, we don't need all the technology that we have. We can do without it. We should use it for what we need to use it for, for useful, for connection, for communication, for inspiration. But I think it, we've taken it so far to where people are constantly on their phones, constantly involved in technology, and what is it really bringing into your life? Not a lot. It's taking out a lot of time, a lot of energy, and a lot of confidence, and a lot of mindfulness and being in the present moment. Which leads me to the next topic, which is mindfulness. Mindfulness and spirituality has changed my life and made me understand that if I'm ever depressed again, it's my own choice. Buddhism has helped me see the bigger picture and realize that spiritual progress helps me move towards enlightenment and transcend the cycle of suffering forever. This is why I'm so committed to my mindful practice. I see the big picture of every little thing I do, which helps me understand better my own purpose and move towards a life of meaning. I know pain happens, and I know suffering comes from pain, but I choose how long and how much I suffer. If I stay focused on my purpose, I realize how precious my time and energy is. And I don't want to waste any of it on wallowing in negative things that happen to me. Mindfulness means observing our feelings and body sensations without judgment. It helps us connect with the world around us better because we take moments to be still and silent so that we can collect ourselves and realize that we're far more than the sum of our parts. In Buddhism, it's called the five aggregates that make up a human being. And a person becomes enlightened when they do not identify with any of these, which is very challenging to do. True spiritual consciousness is not identifying with anything that happens to you or makes up your body or mind. These are all just interpretations of external influences which we regard as truth. We're just a shell to transport vital life energy. And the reason we suffer so much and fail to progress spiritually is because we're so attached to everything we consider a part of us, and we cannot grasp these, the impermanence of these things. We fear death, we fear losing others, losing things, and we fear any change in our lives. We let the things around us become us. We make our identity something dependent on temporary things, so when we lose those things, we lose our sense of self and purpose. I don't believe there's a self. I think we're just beings with the ability to create great change while we are alive, so we should just focus on that, living for others, living for something beyond ourselves, since there's no actual self. Our collective purpose is to bring light and goodness into the universe, so every being to ever live has a chance at freedom. I think we get caught up in all the other aspects of life and don't understand the bigger, overarching meaning of it all. It's a strange thing to exist in this world, but there's meaning in it, and that meaning has nothing to do with us as individuals beyond our ability to serve. Once we grasp this, we don't fixate on our own problems, and we start to see them as lessons rather than problems, which allows us to become the best change agents we possibly can. This is why spirituality and Buddhism in particular has saved me and changed my life. Discovering Buddhism felt like a million tons of weight being lifted off of my body. 
felt like everything I ever knew to be true being spoken in such a simple and concise way that it finally made sense. It felt like freedom. I finally shifted my mindset enough to be able to live with the least possible suffering and the most possible enjoyment and worldly offering. Most lifestyle changes require a shift in mindset so that we're fully committed to the habits we want to develop. I don't cheat on my routine or cut corners. I don't try to meditate for the shortest amount of time possible. I don't try to do yoga for the shortest amount of time possible. I don't skip all of these things I know I need because I know how vital they are to my happiness and purpose. Everything I do helps with my purpose. I don't spend a lot of time doing pointless things like watching TV or hanging out with people that take more from me than they give to me. All of these habits I've mentioned, including a morning routine, mindfulness, spirituality, a healthy diet and exercise, and less time with technology and more time with nature, are things you can do on your own. We are our own key to happiness. Everything we need is already inside of us. It's just probably buried under a pile of confusion, stress, and anxiety from living in the modern world. We must constantly remind ourselves of how strong, capable, and divine we are. How we have a worldly purpose that matters to others. How we can't serve others if we don't serve ourselves first. Pleasure activism is something I'm just now getting into, and it is teaching me a lot about the importance of enjoying life. The goal is to make the revolution irresistible. Pleasure in this case is not hedonism, but enjoying life, giving full consent for all of our experiences so that we nourish our body, mind, and spirit. Begin the process of healing and make ourselves self-aware enough and alive enough to work towards a better tomorrow. Our pleasure is important to the world, and we must not forget that. Our culture idealizes working way too hard, ignoring our body's needs, and being a people pleaser, especially for women. Pleasure activism is about paying attention to what you need to feel settled and peaceful in your body so that you can emanate this feeling to everyone around you. I might do an entire episode on this eventually, especially because I'm helping facilitate a book club on pleasure activism, but do look up the book by Adrian Marie Brown called Pleasure Activism. It's an anthology and it is absolutely incredible. And also look up Audre Lorde's work on pleasure activism and the use of the erotic as well. The importance of a healthy routine for mental health cannot be understated, and we must hold ourselves accountable for our own suffering and pleasure. However, sometimes outside help is needed, and there's no shame in this. It's important, first of all, to have a support system of friends and or family around you when you need someone to lean on and talk to. We can't expect people who aren't professional to serve as our counselors, but we can create healthy relationships with boundaries that both parties agree upon so that there's emotional support and the relationships that we're in are mutually beneficial. Sometimes we do need a mental health professional. I've seen many different counselors in my time, and I have no shame over this. It really helped me to talk to someone who would not pass any judgment on what I was going through, and it helped to vocalize my thoughts to realize how irrational many of them were, especially for anxiety. I think everyone could benefit from going to a professional once in a while, because not one of us live without stress, anxiety, and trauma. While we're seeing a professional, we have to continue to work on ourselves outside of their office, too. Talking to a counselor isn't going to fix all your problems or make you happy. You have to do that on your own. This is why a lot of people say, oh, I went to a counselor, it didn't work for me. Maybe 
it didn't work for them because they just need a different type of healing in their life or they need a different type of support in their life. But I think a lot of people go expecting a miracle to happen when really this person has been trained to communicate effectively and to be a good listener. And they're not able to do anything really to fix your life. They're just there to kind of be a mirror, kind of be a reflection and show you what you need to do, what you need to change in your issues and help you understand your situation better. And can't do anything for you. One of the biggest thin things that I have learned in the past few years of failed relationships and mental health struggles is that no one can make you happy but yourself. And before, I always tried to be a people pleaser because I believed that was a possible thing. And now I know it's not. You can't be a people pleaser because you can't please others entirely yourself. No one can make a person sustainably happy besides themselves. Because no one can give them life and cultivate all the necessary habits to make them happy. You might be able to give someone joy for a moment, for a brief fleeting moment of life, but you can't give them long-term happiness because that's their responsibility. The only thing you can do to improve another person's mental state is to share your happiness, light, and awareness, which will help them to discover, or should I say uncover, their own we're all happy deep down, we just need to peel off all the gunk to find it. No one thing is going to work magic on your mental health. All things together help you live a lifestyle that makes it hard to be permanently sad. We all have ups and downs, and this is normal. No one is going to deny negative feelings or experiences. It's just better to validate them in the moment, don't prolong them by fixating on them, find the lesson in everything, and stay focused on the bigger picture. Once we get the right lifestyle, the right lifestyle, we will naturally flow through the ups and downs of life and be mostly unscathed in the process. We will understand our role in creating a better and brighter future and not let anything stop us from contributing our part in this effort. At the end of the day, the choice to be mentally healthy is yours. Be proactive right now. Get off social media and figure out how you can best use your passions and skills to serve the world and which mindful habits in the morning will prepare you to do this every single day. It seems like mental illness is the norm today. People make jokes about it on social media. People really are just all in their feelings. And I think it's really not doing anything to help themselves. And it's really just helping them fixate on their issues and spread this negativity and this suffering to others. Because what you say does affect others and stresses them out. Especially me. I'm such an empathetic person. And what I have to do is just release those people from my life. The people that constantly need to vent and share what they're going through while they're not working on it and solving it for themselves. They think that venting is going to solve all their problems, but it may be able to help a little, but if I don't see you going and doing the work on your own to be mentally healthy, I'm not going to feel a ton of empathy for you because I had to learn the hard way that I am responsible for my own happiness as well, and I'm not going to pretend like I'm responsible for someone else's happiness besides my own. We've all been affected by some mental illness at some point, but most of us can choose to move past it. And I just want to say a quick note, I didn't really talk about in here people that are clinically depressed and people that need medicine to function. No shame, no judgment whatsoever. I That's totally valid. However, I think we all know that medicine is 
not the cure. It's not going to cure you and make you happy. You have to also cultivate healthy habits and you have to continue working on yourself just like everyone else that doesn't need medicine. So this, all of this still applies. I would love to see a culture where happiness is the norm. Where going to bed at a decent time so you can wake up early and do your routine is the norm. And yes, I'm speaking from personal experience here because people my age don't give a shit about getting sleep and I hate it. <laughs> I think sleep is one of the most important things in my life and I'm not going to sacrifice it to go and do something I don't see as super meaningful. I would like to see a society where saying no to influences and experiences do, do not aid us and our purpose is the norm. Where respecting our own boundaries and realizing that we can only control ourselves is the norm. Mental health is just as important as physical health. If not more important because we can't really work on our body if our mind is in the worst place ever. Yet for so long mental health has been ignored, abused, and misunderstood. In my short time on this earth, I've discovered so much meaning in focusing on myself and what I need to do to put my time on earth to the best use. I learned a lot through trial and error, and by understanding what didn't work, including lack of sleep, external substances, and trying to be a people pleaser. And so I can move towards what does work, like focusing on myself, staying focused on the big picture, and taking time every day to sit in meditation. Everyone has to go through their own journey and lessons. All our karma is unique, but I believe some of what I've found is universally helpful to all in cultivating their mental health. I wish you luck in your path, and I wish you the strength to stick to the lifestyle you need for the healthiest mind, body, and spirit. Thank you for listening to this episode of Do Better. Please let me know what you think on Facebook, on any of the platforms that I'm on. Please give feedback and let me know what else you'd like me to talk about in the future. Thanks for listening and keep doing better.